Hey folks, I'm your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Jeremy. The Democratic Socialists of America is a big tent leftist organization that reached over 70,000 members in 2020. Full disclosure, I've been a dues-paying member since 2017, which longtime listeners will obviously be shocked by. Last year, they held their largest convention of over a 1,000 members in a Wizard Tower hotel in downtown Atlanta, right next to a Hooters, a Hard Rock Cafe, and Gus's world-famous fried chicken, which I recommend. Over the next three episodes, you're going to hear a series of conversations I recorded with attendees on the final day of the convention as well as the following weeks after my fellow members from Portland DSA returned home. Let these recordings offer up a snapshot of a movement back in the before time, the long long ago of August 2019. The online 2021 convention is currently in the opening planning stages and hopefully this can offer some advice. What's your name? Where are you from? Abby from New York. Are you, Abby, how are you doing? Abby, um, <laughs> what's your instinctive take? Uh, what's your feeling so far about how things have gone? Well, you know, I think I, I, it's such a new experience. You know, I've never been to a national convention before. so Me neither. So it's hard to know how, what to judge it against, right? And I, I've also never been a part of, you know... Yeah, a socialist movement that's, that is <laughs> that's, the, that's growing and and has tens of thousands of people before it. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, that's the fun thing, uh, and it's kind of um, I'm kind of wondering. It's like it's like it's that we're experiencing all of the uh, the scale problems in real time. Yeah, no, I, I really feel that you you feel the 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 struggles of growing as an organization, the the the, the dynamics between you know different factions and the dynamics between different kind of strategic orientations mm-hmm. and and the dynamic between you know the d- dynamic between like institutional structures within the organization and and different people's analysis of how the organization has succeeded and failed over the last few years so i, I mean i again I, can, I have no way to yeah nothing to, to judge it against this is, to yeah. judge it against and yeah, i don't think like, any of us do really yeah i was like this except for maybe some people were here two years ago and but it's still an entire you know like I said we we we're a, a, an order of magnitude larger now and what are you gonna how do you how do you how do you possibly judge that Yeah no I th- I think that we're kind of a new organization every time in, in some ways and so and so with that said I, I feel like what's been really valuable mm-hmm. about the convention has been the more informal processes and the connections and the networks that are being built right because I think in so many ways our our strength is our people right. right and and the more we can like know each other and build with each other and and support each other right it, 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 i i really i have i'm a strong believer in the informal uh, in building space for informal uh networking and building and, and that right. i feel like has happened a lot at, at this convention at least with what i've seen cool um let's see so that's is that pretty much been your favorite part Oh, absolutely! Oh, great! Yeah. Um, did you dig any of the uh, 
did you enjoy any of like the uh, the social events that were happening at night, or did you, or did you partake much of? I did. I, you know, I went to a few of the things, but I, you know, I, I felt like a lot of the time, what happened was I would get in a conversation with someone, and like it would go so long that I would miss the event, and so and then catch up with people leaving it at, uh, at the bar or in yeah. the lobby or whatever. So I didn't go to as many things as I had kind of planned on, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like I spent that time productively nonetheless. So excellent. Yeah, that. Um that's the one thing I did, I did notice is that this is the event where the parasocial becomes social. It's like all the people who you've like you've only seen as like suggested friends for the last two years. All of a sudden, they're hey, look there they wander by there, and like people you recognize when they talk on mic because you've heard their podcast for the last two years. Yeah, like, no, that's yeah, that's been the, yeah, that's been the fun thing. So. No, it's great. I, you know, I and and just and meeting people from other chapters and and talking about what you're doing. They're talking about what they're doing. So right. I'm gonna put my little sign out here. Yeah, that's been the uh, well. Back in your chapter, what's uh, or or your own particular branch? What is your uh, what have you what have you all been working on, or what's your particular like favorite thing that you've been uh, really getting the most out of? Well, I, I just I just uh, joined the organizing committee for for my branch, and and we you know we're we're just trying to just keep it going and, and keep. You know, I think we're trying to bring a taste and a sampling of. The broad diversity of issue sets and and actions and organizing that people are doing in our organization mm-hmm. to our membership meetings, so that new members, particularly, but also maybe members who haven't who aren't involved, have have an entry point to like you know to get involved in other stuff and to learn about you know I think we all need to learn and develop an understanding of what it means to be. DSA in 2019 and, and going forward. So, you know, that's what that's what we're excited. That's what I'm excited about is bringing, you know, helping people and and myself building better analysis, better understanding, and while getting actually involved in different campaigns and projects. Yeah. What if you felt like the importance of just not just getting our name out there, but having. Um Having a way for people who are like, because like a lot of people are angry, but having a way for them not just to hear about the organization, but uh, having a way for them to plug in at like whatever particular level of intensity or involvement they want to get in. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a big part of, I mean, in my mind, that's part of what you have a branch meeting for, right? Like you have a branch meeting that it's, it's multifaceted, right? Like it has concrete, you know, you have opportunities for people doing projects to talk to people about them. You have opportunities to do more in-depth kind of like you know uh political analysis and and uh, and connecting that to real world things so you do like a high level to low level kind of thing yeah and and you know and then you have you also give people a chance to talk with each other and to and to develop with, together and to share with with the larger group so i i, I think that the idea is to do a lot as a lot of different things um so that so that it, it's not just focused on any one particular aspect of of a diverse organization is there been anything that you've seen or heard lately that you're gonna use you know take back and use like what i guess what kind of like non-traditional you know utility have you found from the various goings on or your experience here yeah i mean just a lot of it is just pe- meeting people and like and uh hopefully d- like having chances to like I'm going to go to some other branch meetings down here in the south and try to talk, and try to see how people do things and, and share experiences and so uh, you know I, I think a lot of it is just seeing how other people do things 
and and having those conversations that, that we hopefully can can build with each other like you know fill in different ideas or like you know I can see how people are doing things and what's worked and what hasn't worked for them and 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 share my experience so um I I, I feel like that I'm just starting that process right <laughs> right yeah uh, I guess last question um <laughs> what's your opinion of the food of, of the at the convention here <laughs> well we had actually a debate about that at my lunch table <laughs> I was I I considered the cannoli to be pretty subpar but um I think the 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 winners were they said it was average. I think average won out, but I, I still think I still think you're better off getting a cannoli in New York for sure. Yeah, the uh, yeah the lunch today was uh, a lot of Ita- uh, was a, lo- a wider selection of Italian food, with uh, the dessert being tiramisu and cannoli, uh, but you know Atlanta style, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I overall I would not recommend coming from New York to Atlanta to try the Italian food. That's that. I was going to say, what do you think about the breakfasts or or the particular excuse for a breakfast they had? (laughs) You know, it's a continental breakfast, you know. Yeah. It's it's a pretty pretty standard fare. Yeah, I was going to say, I I finally made it out to uh, Waffle House for breakfast today. And even though I got crap for sleep last night, Waffle House breakfast made it all the better. Yeah, Waffle House is a real southern tradition. So I, I I encouraged anyone who was contemplating it to definitely hit up Waffle House for sure. Excellent. Anyway, with uh, Abby, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, man. That's it. This is. uh... All right, in recording, like, uh, hi, how you doing? Can you introduce yourself to the viewing audience, or however, however much information you want to give? I'm Dave Weigel. I'm a reporter for the Washington Post, and I've actually been covering the socialist movement since early 2017, or if you want to do it earlier, since the Bernie campaign 2015. That's cool. Um, and we are here after, you can kind of hear folks in the background, this is the uh, aftermath, I guess? Yeah, this the, is the kind the, of cool down period. The hangover. Uh, Why well, People seem to be in a pretty good mood, because they're not in a giant meeting anymore. Yeah, for, uh, for three fucking days. As a reporter, this is the period where people have wound down a little bit, and I've been going around checking in, seeing what they thought, yeah. Um, what has... Um well, these, you can get really meta really quick. <laughs> Not what is your opinion of other, what is you know what are other people's opinions? It's, almost, it's, well, a, it's like a form of the electability question. It's it like, is. It is. That's a good point, and that's hard to nail down. Uh, I think, for example, that look at the NPC, the people who got into the National uh, Political Council. That was a good mix of different uh, different caucuses. So it's not like one faction dedicated to Bernie one. It's not like one faction that wants to move towards move away from politics one. And again, as a reporter, what I was most interested in is the political activity. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. uh, there are lots of interesting political organizations, but what really got me covering DSA in particular was people going out there and organizing, electing state reps, electing city council members. That was the stuff I followed, and I generally found people pretty hyped, pretty ready to continue doing that. Um, I was also asking a lot of people about Bernie and Warren. No one supports Warren over Bernie, but it is not like some places I've been to where people are ride or die. I I think just, and I've encountered this with everyone from Cornell West to, you know, people at Bernie rallies or Bernie's staff, probably if they're honest, Bernie's staff, uh, where they say, 
well, it's not like Hillary. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the thing. That's, yeah. Which is, you know, good and bad. It's kind of the uh, the country. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they're saying that. They don't yeah. see Warren as problematic as Hillary was yeah, for yeah, that. funny how that works out. Yeah, it's almost like the entire, uh, you know, what was it? The uh, it's like, almost like the entire frame has changed. It has. Um, no, that's and that's the other thing that I said sent me here is Republicans are now spending their uh, a lot of their messaging energy for 2020 on attacking socialism. Uh, one of the people I talked to here is running for Senate in, in Wyoming, I should say. I'm so, one of the people I, I talked to here is running for Senate Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I asked her, did you notice <laughs> Liz Cheney opened up the Congress this year by saying we're never going to be a socialist country than Donald Trump did. And, she's, and she, she definitely noticed. Um, so the energy on the right is attacking uh, what is coming out of the left generally, what is specifically coming out of places like this. And people here were fairly chill about it yeah um fucking mike pence was here what friday was it thursday friday in atlanta yeah oh well, he didn't come to the conference i guess no he don't know but he would no, but he okay. was uh, they brought him here to like uh the, mike pence they brought here to well here they brought to atlanta we were in atlanta uh they brought to atlanta to do a thing you know just so happened to be the same you know right when uh the big dsa conference is happening to do this thing and he probably I haven't seen his stump speech in the last couple of weeks. I'm sure I would not be surprised if he had a line attacking socialism. But honestly, one of the uh, surprises is I, I'm looking out the window as we talk, and when I arrived, there are people protesting outside, but not a ton. Uh, it was, it's a little bit strange. I don't want to get too much on a tangent about this, That's but fine. it really is amazing that if you are listening to Republicans speak, I mean, Kevin McCarthy spoke to Breitbart, the Republican leader in the House, over the weekend and used the word socialism, I think, 14, 16 times. And the I did not see much of an effort to take or weaponize what's going on here. I did notice I was in Detroit before I got here, and there were Republican tracker videotaping everything Rashida Tlaib was saying. Rashida Tlaib being one of two DSA members in Congress right now. And, and I'll go on the record and saying, you know, myself being a former, I lived in Michigan until the age of 28 before I headed out. The fact uh, during her campaign, listening to her swear on camera in her accent, uh, made <laughs> me so so, so goddamn happy. So happy. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's, it's it's like with Bernie, noticeable regional accents that aren't like advocating for white supremacy um, are like just strike me as like you know su- supremely authentic. And it's like, yeah, you fucking swear as much as possible. Please do. And yeah. I generally, uh, one of my favorite things covering candidates, I probably should stop doing it, is uh, hearing and then imitating the accent. I think some I'm better than others. Well, uh, what part of the country are you originally from? Uh, from Wilmington, Delaware. So we have a Philadelphia accent, which means if you drink you know, the clear stuff out of a faucet, it's water. And if you climb the top of a building, it's a roof and things like that. Just like a lot of vowels get... You know how you, when you take all the paints together and they just come out gray? That's what that's what the accent does to vowels. Are you? Uh, do you prefer Wawa or Sheets? I prefer Wawa, and actually Wawa got to D.C. recently. I mean, it's one of those things where I bought a neighborhood that has not really had a ton of improvements. There are some neighborhoods where just like the gentrification ferry arrived and right. 30 new restaurants opened up. Funny how that works, uh, yeah. My, my, mine has been the same forever, except they got rid of... A restaurant and replaced it with a with a Wawa, which for somebody to step down for me was obviously a step up. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It's always funny when you hear uh, the you know effectively the voice of uh, Philly Boy Roy uh, popping up and yeah. randomly in the uh, in the pop cultural firmament. <laughs> um, I think my professional radio reporter voice 
doesn't have all that, but if I kept going, I'd start talking about hoagies and what have you. Yeah, yeah it, it's the kind of thing. It's like either it, once you, it's either once one gets tired enough, or yeah. once, uh, well, in my mom's case, you get angry enough. Her her uh, she, uh, her Southern Ohio accent yeah. would come out. Um, you know, either, what is it? It's like ang- tired, angry, or uh, you know, or drunk enough. The accent emerges. Um, or all three. You know, if, it's, if you're at a convention, sure, why not? Yeah. Um, I mean, true. I don't know if. I don't think they no they they technically did not bar drinking from the floor and there are certain points when I really was darkly considering like I'm going to start the uh, the uh, the whiskey caucus in about <laughs> half an hour when I get back from the shop. Um, but honestly, all the, what I was paying attention to in terms of the debates, um, you know, you can either focus as a reporter, you can focus on, huh, that thing's kind of odd, or you can focus on, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, a lot of things fall into both camps, right? And so I think some of the coverage outside the convention was eye-rolling at the way that people demanded safe space for different for diff- people different abilities mm-hmm. um, and then I was paying attention to oh this is interesting <laughs> like they have opportunities to delve away from politics or from uh, if I thought, actually thought the anti-fascist training for example was a fascinating debate cool I'm not sure how many people are going to talk about it but it's the kind of thing I think could be talked about in the future because yeah. as the right focuses on attacking um, socialism I saw the same thing when I covered the Tea Party, um, the Tea Party gen- tended to benefit when pe- when people attacked it. Now the Tea Party had a big infusions of money that are not happening in DSA, um, but that wrinkle of what to do when something hap- something bad happens and you're and you're linked to it or false false link to it, right? Well, that's kind of thing. I was taking lots of notes for things that may be relevant this week, may be relevant in two years. Be relevant well, in ten years. Yeah, that was similarly. I did have the as a as an as an on the floor delegate, rapidly dehydrating for three days. Um, I did at one point. It struck me several times. Just uh, some almost like postmodern thought of okay. Um, what vote did we just take, or are we about to? What moment here yeah. is what is what branches the timeline? Yeah. You know that we look back in two, five, ten years from whatever shit we'll have to do. We'll be dealing with then. Look back. Okay, that was the dividing point. Like right then, if yeah. you can, if you can nail it down to one point, it's that hard, kind of thing. It's hard to predict. I mean, certainly in the last five years, the the vote to endorse Bernie Sanders in 2015 was was watershed. I mean that that is what. Uh, I'm not, I don't know. I'm lecturing you on this. You know it already. Well, but that, that, but that, that is what it had people suddenly googling, huh? Bernie socialist. What socialism mean? And they found DSA, and the explosive growth came. I mean, this. I, I think you could have. I don't know how many beds are in the hotel, but you probably could have fit the entire membership of DSA in this hotel in 2013, well, right? Yeah. Well, this. I mean, I think this place has like. 70 odd floors or something yeah you definitely we're, we're in the middle of this weird fucking wizard tower in downtown Atlanta next door to of all things a hard rock cafe who know that hard rock cafe still existed in 2019 uh, they I do did not know. in every tourist center there is one that's kind of their the redoubt and that's in it but it's the thing is it was the same thing it was like that when we were in high school and like <laughs> planet Hollywood is gone why isn't this shit gone too but anyway Sudden thought: Is it deliberate or is it accidental? How, how like every conservative can't differentiate any person to their left, and mm-hmm. so everything gets conflated. Either, like I said, at some point, it's, you know, either they're doing this tactfully, or because if you're a conservative, you're not particularly concerned about the details. Uh, I don't think it's intentional. I honestly think uh, there's an opening for somebody. Uh, I also, there are people I think at Reason Magazine or National Review who had they come here and. 
analyzed everything uh, could probably come out with a good taxonomy of what people believe. Not just a DSA, but um, mm-hmm. the you know, making drawing the chart from Joe Lieberman to um, to, Biden, to AOC. I'm trying to think of who's far further left than, than AOC. Lots of people are. Um, um, but, well, currently elected. Yeah, some some of the city council well, members like yeah, Kamau, well, Kamau, I think. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, see, yeah, seen, yeah, seen Khalid Kamau. Just yeah. like, come on, and you just just tear shit up like wow, you know, fuck yeah. yeah, like him. I mean, he has some disagreements with Democrats. Uh, I think so. I think part of it from a Republican campaigning perspective is socialism socialist has been a like curse word for them for a very long time yes yeah, since, uh, since the primo, pre-Obama yeah. era and it's become unmoored from if you're if you're under 40 you don't know what it was about because you don't know the Soviet Union um, it's still there it's it's very vestigial I think it, and for, uh, but it's it's been an attack line for so long that it has not really absorbed I think the the, the effort to use it as, as a attack line has not absorbed the fact that Tens of thousands of people are willingly defining themselves that way and getting elected right. that way, um, but I don't. I haven't seen a lot on the right of what I used to do uh, with the right, which is just go around and explain. Okay, well, the Cokes are different than the, than than these guys. The Mercers are different than this. Right. Uh, Rand Paul is obviously going to vote against this, but Ted Cruz is going to vote for it. I've not seen a ton of that in the left, and I think it is. Um, I don't. I don't quite know, but I think it's. Um, it's. A, it's a. It's so effect- it's been politically so effective to blur everybody uh, uh, under the socialist label that there hasn't been as much police because you, if you divvy it up the right way, then you can suddenly say that what well, you're suddenly saying well, 75 percent of people are not socialists. But I I was struck in 2018. I was at a couple states with Bernie Sanders, right? And he's self-identified Democratic socialist, and Republicans could not make any hay out of it. I mean, that was he would come and he was a popular surrogate and he got a crowd. And 20 years ago, people were not saying, please, we want Bernie to come to my swing state <laughs> and yeah, well, give me a speech. They were, they were in 2018. That's the, which, yeah, which is at some point is, I think that's the thing is, like, at some point it's not, like, all these people, they're not, a, they're not, a, they're not against anything left. They're, mm-hmm. well, they're not against anything progressive. They're against a certain form of managerial liberalism. Yes, I think the, the things that make them, well, look at this, the, if you saw social media, what made people the most irritated about this conference was not, Endorsing of the abolition of prison or the abolition of capitalism, it was people getting the microphone and demanding they stop using gender pronouns, right? Mm-hmm. Which is something that you could hear at any sort of um, any sort of modern progressive woke event, right? Um, it's more the thing. Uh, I wouldn't say quality quality of life, but but just things that they associate with all with Hollywood liberals with all sorts of stuff. I haven't seen, and maybe it's because if you're a conservative. Uh, there's not really reason to f- there's not going to be a vote tomorrow to abolish capitalism so it seems more right. remote mm-hmm. uh, but cultural war cultural battles um, have been lost on the right for quite a long time gay, you know gay marriage was a winning issue then it wasn't um, you can see that happening with tra- trans issues so I think in terms of what animated conservatives as they looked at this conference I can see why they were not as worried about the stuff that really is radical like uh, yeah I mean, abolishing capitalism that would change that would change things. That makes things and real even interesting. It, yeah, and writing about it, it's interesting. I talk to people and they only explain why they, why they believe it. It's not something that Bernie Sanders believes. He doesn't believe in abolishing capitalism, and not everyone here does. Um, but that perspective, I think, is, is worth me writing about and explaining um, on the way of explaining electorally what it means. You know, what's it mean when you've got close to sixty thousand people? Almost all of whom are ready to knock on doors for Bernie Sanders, um, and, some, and whom, some, yeah, and many of whom yeah. are even beyond. But yeah, yeah. And, or beyond, but but are active in politics. I mean, if there was a group of 
60,000 people uh, on the right in some equivalent group, I think it, there'd be a swarm of media to cover what this, what this meant. I mean, I go to CPAC every year, the conservative conference, and it's... How do you survive that? Uh, I mean, it, it's interesting. I, I, my style is go to stuff and quote people and say, okay, that's what they believe. Uh, not being, you know, a blank slate, having put it in context, but there'll be 300 reporters, 400 reporters at that, and there are, I think, six at this, right? Um, and they're very they're different events, but well, no, 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 yeah. yeah this and this is and this another. In fact, I I talked uh, an earlier uh, an earlier talk that I had done with some folks uh, in the episode a couple months ago was getting into um, just you know how how the professionalization of the professionalization yes of journalism in mm-hmm. the early well if you listen to Lewis Lapham it's the it was the early with the Kennedy era in the early 60s when you went from blue collar reporters yeah. to white collar journalists who started like you know getting like TV jobs and you know and six seven figure salaries and started identifying mm-hmm. they started identifying with the people who were in power rather than the gumshoe you know the, the the shoe leather reporters who were deliberately like yeah fuck these people um, well, just speaking for myself, uh, I, I'm always worried about getting away from what grassroots politics is focused on mm. and just getting to what is it that people on TV are talking about. Right. Uh, TV has an influence that goes both ways, but I found a lot of good stories just from paying close attention to the grassroots. I mean, I when I covered the right more closely, would be on top of, I, I thought, I hoped, uh, some development just because I was really talking to r- local Republican county parties. Tea Party activists, the people at events, the people, the things they believed. Donald Trump is kind of the first person to really put this on the big screen because right. he has a rally and you know QAnon people show up. I'm not, none of what I'm saying is trying to make an equivalence between anything else, right? Or an just, endorsement. I'm well, not trying to endorse it. Yeah, I'm just saying it, that it, it, it well, it, kind of, yeah. it breaks out of the the accepted yeah. consensus forms. That's right. Of the previous forty years, and when things break out of a consensus, they they can go nowhere. What has happened more recently is people say, "Wow, there." Pe- People are excited about this. They're not excited about my six-point plan for means-tested means uh, school lunches. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah. And I've seen that on the right, and I've seen that on the left. Yeah. Um, well, two things, but branch it off earlier. Uh, in terms of, like, talking to candidates, if you ever get the chance, and I can, and if you want, I can yeah. give you contact info. Um, I don't know if you have heard about Paige Kreisman no. in, in the state of Oregon. Is the, um, Paige Kreisman is a disabled military trans vet. She is also she's running to uh, to primary the who turns out to be my state house rep and is also the first candidate endorsed by Portland DSA. No, oh. um, wait, she's running against that person. Yes, from the left because uh, she's she is running to primary um, a, can, a a person named Rob Nasi who even though his day job was working with uh, uh, union nurses voted um, voted. Um, on an extremely contentious vote to cut union pensions in the state of Oregon, which was such a you know a massive breaking point that all of a sudden they saw an opening like okay, you know this is the person time to primary. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, like, um, it's it's Paige is an interesting case because Paige orig- originally ran in the, uh, for Corvallis City Council, which is where Oregon State is, as an open Marxist Leninist with like a yard side that had a big you know red and gold hammer and sickle. Still won thirty-seven percent of the vote, and so like okay, Paige, she knows something. But uh, Paige is great. The also um, the other thing is about conservatives losing culture war. Yeah. Did you ever read? I think it's Stephen Prothero's book. It's something about like conservatives losing uh, losing culture wars, but liberals live win elections. And I can't think of the actual term, but it goes back in a couple hundred years about how no, like losing the cultural war is like the main. 
like generative force between like you know people who are you know main, like revanchist oh, yeah. or like resentment. It's that's interesting. I mean, uh, a lot of the reference points I've had recently are from you know Rick Perlstein's reporting mm-hmm. and his histories. Uh, for you go back to his last book and he writes about the the importance of the West Virginia school textbooks uh, protests in the Reagan Revolution. Not often a connection people make. But I mean, well, the general lesson of my political reporting has been, you know, by the time something gets up to the general, there were a bunch of like uh, of privates who have, who have, who had been figuring this out yeah, in the in the field, and that, that's that's usually how I go, and that's why I'm here. Yeah, I, I need to I need to start to move. You know, soon. Oh, okay. Last question because of uh, because you did do uh, a great book on uh, on prog rock. What is your favorite Peter Gabriel costume and or stage maneuver from '70s Genesis? I yeah, think if, I, if you have a preference, I'm a fan because he disappears in it I'm with the the fox head and dress. Uh, okay. That one, the best album and the best stage performance. Is, it's like obvious, but Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, uh, which is what I I will say. I will have. Was, was that a was that a single or a double album? It was a double album okay. as a stage show. It was the it was the whole show. I mean, he's only dressed. He's wearing like white pants and a shirtless most of the time, and he's got some face paint. Right, but. Uh, that as a as a performance that was like a sophisticated theater piece and uh, that rules and that's the thing I often when people have questions about what this music is the, the, the assumption they make is it's 30 minutes of strange meanderings I'm like well that's fusion which is also good but no <laughs> what a lot of progressive rock is just melody but but with a lot of ambition so that's probably the dual answer the fox the fox head and uh, lamb lies down rail uh, rail tour yeah I was saying my, my, my personal is like the closest I ever got to prog was prog metal because I was in yeah. high school in the 90s so I listened to a lot of Queensryche anyway yeah. but uh, I just want to thank you again yeah, for um, um, thank you again for, for talking Talking with me, um, I don't know if you want to give like standard content. Anything like folks would, should uh, should check out if they want to like either yeah. track you down or anything you want. Anything you want to plug or push? Yeah, well, follow me on Twitter at uh, slash Dave Weigel or just Dave Weigel for on the phone. Uh, read the Washington Post at uh, my stuff is at. Dave, I think it's Washington Post, some other slashes, and then David yeah. Dash Weigel. It's, it's in there somewhere. Uh, read that. I mean, 90% of my life is putting stuff into my articles, my newsletter. So, yeah, go with that. And I think you're going to find some kind of top level, here's what the candidates told me. You're going to find some analysis that here's what the candidates seem to be doing wrong. And you're going to find, uh, hopefully, a lot of grassroots on the, on the, on the electoral voter level conversations. And I'm never as happy as when I kind of figure something out because I've spent time on the ground and then a month later it happens. Cool. Uh, So yeah, check it out. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you again for your time. Yeah, thank you. All right. Uh, could uh, hi, we're a bunch of us are sitting here at the uh, airport afterwards, slowly losing our minds. So why not like turn on the recorders because that's how it works. Uh, we have one of our uh, Natasha. Could you uh, shed a little like history on how you felt about the the, uh, the convention this week versus stuff that you've like events that you, you've attended in the past? Well, um, oh here, just grab a hold. Okay, so this is Natasha Beck, Portland, Oregon. Um, I uh, attended the. Uh, New American Movement Convention 40 years ago, almost this exact weekend. Um, it was held in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, there were seven delegates. Six of us caravanned out in two cars. The other person flew, uh, and we met at the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. And so we stayed in the dorms, and um, 
pretty much all the business took place in the student union because that had the most capacity. So uh, we had a lot more educational workshops than uh, this current DSA convention. Um, we were not really concerned about restructuring this or restructuring that or dues. Or, um, it was not a major issue. Uh, that was the first time I was aware that the merger between New American Movement and Democratic Socialist Organizing Committee was going to occur. And people were divided. That was, if we were divided or anything, that was one thing we were divided on. But we were not yelling at each other. We were, we were civil to each other. Uh, and um, I was in the leadership of the Socialist Feminist Task Force and the Socialist Feminist Reading Group. And the other person in the leadership of the task force and I put on a workshop on reproductive rights. And as I recall, we showed a slideshow with the Eugene Nam chapter had started, and and they ran out of energy. And we said, "Well, we can do it. We, we're we're growing. We're we're doing pretty well. So we'd be happy to do it." So we edited it some, ed- updated it, and we presented it. So in those days, we did slideshows, and that was fine. <laughs> um, and reproductive rights organizing was one of the priorities for New American Movement. And so Catherine and I did a lot of um, networking with other women's organizations. The women's movement was very strong in Portland in the 70s. And so we went to lots of conferences and showed it and um, International Women's Day. And just, there was a lot of women's activities in that time period. It was an exciting, very exciting time. So the, as I say the, um, the merger was one issue. But we were also having, people were having debates around Marxist theory and Gramscian theory. And that was part of it. And some of that was, went over a lot of people's heads, even if we were pretty well read. Um, that was a little intimidating, but it was definitely exciting. Um, and it was really more educationally oriented. And we had, um, if you want to make a comparison, it was a little bit similar to a radical academic conference, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense because there were radical academics in the organization, you know. <laughs> and we were meeting at a university, exactly. Um, and I remember there were elders there. Richard Healy's mother, Dorothy Healy, was there. Amazing woman. I could go on and on about her. Just absolutely, genuinely fine human being, and a terrific organizer, and just absolutely committed to the cause. And so it was, it was good seeing what other people across the country were doing in terms of reproductive rights. And it was just kind of, it was affirming, because even though we were in a, Portland was not as liberal as it is now, but it was still, fairly liberal uh, and we were not in, getting in trouble for reproductive rights for the most part um, but it was just good to see other what other folks were doing and feel, feeling supported and uh, our NAM chapter was also doing some energy work and we were pretty strong in that and it was the Trojan decommissioning alliance was very active in shutting down Trojan and we actually were victorious in that and it was a lot of coalition building so even though we were relatively small in numbers, especially compared to today's DSA. Um, we, because of all the coalition work we did, we were able to make a, a greater impact than just our chapter alone. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for the history. Okay, sure. We can continue later. Okay. Thank you much. Sure. One week later. All right, continuing on uh, our talk from, abbreviated talk from the airport. Um, I guess you're going over your memory, your memories of the last time, but also what you thought, what, what did you think about uh, the convention weekend this time? Well, I think I mentioned before about um, not being crazy about all the procedural interruptions, so that was a big difference. Um, but you know, 
1,057 people is significant, and the amount of press coverage was totally different. I don't think anybody covered us other than uh, in these times, which uh, had a lot of NAM members working for it. Um, I don't think the nation was there. Yeah, so basically the mainstream press totally ignored us. And that's pretty much, yeah, how it was in most chapters, mainstream media, you know, pretended we didn't exist. So on one hand, that was good because we could do, we could get away with some stuff, and then it was bad because all our hard work was, you know, ignored or dismissed. That's the, uh, yeah, that's, I can't think of, it's too early in the morning for me to think of what the word is, but it's kind of like, you know, both good and bad of... Right, right. You don't have without the uh, without the that omnipresent spotlight on you. You don't get targeted, but you don't get publicized. Yeah, we 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 were not uh, scared of of uh, infiltration that much. Um, people, certain people were aware of it, but it was not like we're dealing now with the Proud Boys and Patriot Prayer and those folks. So those are the differences. But uh, it's exciting that we are on the map. Exciting that more people know what democratic socialism is or have some idea what it is. And I was looking um, for other conventions besides the one I referenced before, the the 79 one in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, There was a convention uh, in September. It was Labor Day weekend of 82. And so that would have been probably the last NAM convention because the merger happened the following year. And that was in San Francisco. And um, what I remember from that is um, Barbara Ehrenreich speaking, because she was um, elected um, co-chair. Um, and um, what was this? the guy who was very big in theory, what was his name? Uh, Stanley Aronowitz, who's a okay. Marxist sociologist and writer and very dynamic person, had been a union organizer in his youth, and then later on went back to school and got his doctorate in sociology and taught in the New York City School, New York, New York, uh, one of the New York universities, I can't remember which one, probably CCNY. And then our international speaker was Guillermo Ungo, who was um, in the uh, left um, insurgency in El Salvador. And he was very powerful, and it was there was security for him because he was being targeted in his own country, thanks to the U.S. government, and hence a target in in the Bay Area um, because there's a, a a large Salvadoran population, and there were indeed Salvadorans there. So yeah, that was there was a lot of energy there. I think there was about a dozen of us who came from the Portland chapter because it was closer than you know closer than Milwaukee, for example. So we either drove or flew down there. That's mostly what I remember about those those main speakers and and feel that it was a, a a general mood of optimism. Not all of us were in favor of the merger, but um, it was still a, a sense of optimism about our organization. What were the um, what were the detractors saying? Detractors from you know or the people kind of like were vocally. Um, either skeptical or warning against it or well i was skeptical i'm only going to speak for myself um because i didn't want to get us to be at the left wing of the democratic party and sort of being co-opted that was my concern um others shared that view as well but um we also knew that we would probably have more success merging with another organization um 
we were actually better at organizing than DSOC was, but they had more money and they had more people and they had more union contacts. Uh, but we were very good at grassroots community organizing. Um, Portland was considered one of the stronger chapters at that time, and you know, we were doing a good job. So yeah, there was it was concerns, and I, and I still have the concern too. I don't I don't think we're going to be co-opted by the Democrats, but there's always that that um, possibility. <laughs> at least not this chapter. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty independent. <laughs> What did you, uh, how did you feel about the floor experience of, you know, all of us being stuck there, you know, a thousand of us being trapped in that room for, what, eight to ten hours a day for a couple of days, and then like a couple, and what is it, yeah, stuff Friday, Saturday, and part of Sunday? Well, it was intense, and I think we could have had a dance. We definitely had a, a dance at the uh, Milwaukee conference, and that was a great thing to let off steam. And it was also a form of unity, too, because... Okay, so basically, yeah, it was not as intense as this because we did not have any eight resolutions to debate. And we did not have tons of bylaws to make our way through. Yeah, minor complications. But we were basically more focused on the politics and, and theory than we were on procedural stuff. Absolutely big difference. So it wasn't quite as exhausting. And it was... Uh, yeah, again, I, w- I would... I would say it was similar to a, a radical academic conference in terms of its content. So more emphasis on education and sharing of information as opposed to um, the other the procedural things and the resolutions. Right. Well, I think we're stuck in the area because of yeah, um, adding 30,000 people in the over the course of what, two, two and a half years? Well, kind right, of like right. that's, It's time for, uh, you know, you got to... Um, I don't know. I can't. Uh, see, to uh, to to butcher the metaphor, we are uh, we are crashing the plane as we are building it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, the, the growth has been phenomenal. Um, you know, we haven't seen this kind of of numbers since hundred thousand in SDS in nineteen sixty nine, uh, and then the the Communist Party in in the early forties topped yeah. hundred thousand, to my knowledge. So yeah, it's very exciting. And uh, where we cut the, the current generation does not have the Cold War um, attitude that many of us born earlier grew up with. Now we we've rejected this. Some of us came from left families, so it was not something that that was ingrained in us. But in school, it was definitely we we definitely uh, <laughs> we definitely uh, knew that the. We're taught that the communists were not our friends. You know, there was incredible competition between the U.S. and the um, Soviet Union in the in the 60s, for example, like for the space war. So yeah, definitely, people in that generation grew up with with the the Cold War uh, in our back of our minds, and some people in the front of their minds, depending on where they lived in their parental background. Yeah, and some of us just were, uh, some of us later just had to grow up with uh, with uh, 80s pop culture. Well, sort of. It's a little bit different, though. That's true. I guess we didn't have we didn't have to worry about the uh, there wasn't there uh, we didn't have, at least by the eighties we weren't still doing like duck and cover. Right. Oh yeah, we definitely had those drills. Yeah, that's just something that was yeah something that was ubiquitous all across the country. Okay. Excellent. Well, um, wrapping up. Is there anything? I guess what we, what are your final thoughts as to 
the experience uh, as you felt it or the entire time or stuff that you uh, that you're looking forward like would you do it again um, that kind of a thing oh yeah I'm very glad I went um, again I wish there were the we had more time to actually talk about the real issues as opposed to the procedural stuff, and I would have cut it off. I mean, you know, <laughs> people worked very hard for the eight-hour day, and not everybody still has an eight-hour day, and I think that we don't, we should not overwork ourselves, and I think we should have a dance, um, and on-site, too, so you don't have to wander around a city that you don't know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we need to pace ourselves, but definitely it was worth it. But, yeah, again, for me, the most valuable thing was talking with people at mealtimes from across the country and also reuniting with my peers um, and sharing new and old stories. Well, excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. That's okay. it. Yeah. DC doesn't have a podcast, but we have like a very, very strong uh, like media team. Right. We do press advisories and everything like all the time. It's, yeah, very helpful. How many shows do your members do? Because there's at least there's at least in Portland alone because of Portland, we have at least members. There are like at least five shows of like active members doing all that. They're all working on like their own kind of thing. Oh man, we I, that's a very good question. I would not be able to. We have two thousand members. I, the only one that comes to mind right now are the Sams, Sam Knight, yeah. Sam Sachs, DC Sentinel, um, who are just lovely boys. Gotcha. Um, but I know that there are f- more. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey everybody. Uh, this is Jeremy here. Um, talk, chatting with folks about the, their uh, like post-convention thoughts and come down and whatnot. And a special guest from out of town, special guest, would you uh, introduce yourself to the viewing audience? Sure. My name is Marge. I'm from Metro DC DSA. Used to be in leadership. Now I'm just rank and file. Very happy about that. How many years were you in leadership? Uh, two years. And then I was also, this this uh, convention, I was delegation chair for the chapter. Oh, yeah. awesome. Um, well, I think just to start it off, um, what are your... Fuck it. What 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 uh what is your like immediate emotional reaction to having been through that weekend in Atlanta? Feel free feel feel yeah. free to curse. We okay. we we, uh, we require it. <laughs> I uh actually feel very uh hopeful and heartened. And I know that that might not be what a lot of people say to you and say about the convention, but um did you go to the 2017 convention? I did not. Okay. I joined in June. Which was right after I think they had done delegate selection. Yeah, and so I only heard. Uh, I was not like nearly as plugged in, so I didn't. Yeah, I you know we only heard we only heard like the the ephemera around it. Right. But I mean, I did talk to a couple people, uh, even down in Atlanta, who were 2017 delegates. Yeah, so I think that I mean DSA has been around for a long time, but the 2017 convention really was like the first convention reset button. Yeah, it was a reset, and it was very painful. It was painful emotionally. Wow. Uh, I mean, just there was the Fatante shit, all of the, you know, the arguing on the floor, people not used to doing debate and Robert's rules. Um, it's it's taxing on a person and on the the body itself. But I think that I mean, I think that there were, again, like a lot of new delegates in 2019, but there was enough um, like institutional knowledge where it, it, it felt like we were. We're growing and we're getting stronger and it's tough. It's always tough. Conventions are always tough. It's debate. Debate is contentious. It can hurt people's feelings. People don't get what they want and they have to like 
come to terms with that. Yeah. But in all, like, we got a lot of great stuff passed. A lot of the shit that I didn't want to pass didn't pass, like the Bernie, uh, no, the do, do election crimes proposal that, uh, yeah, I don't know who wrote that, but it was a bad proposal. But yeah, the international solidarity package that um, you, Olivia from yeah, Portland Olivia, put forward. Uh, yeah, Olivia and Candy and that uh, was an players. incredible use of Robert's rules. That was like that was some wizardry. Um, there were a couple moments of like Robert's rules wizardry that I was really impressed with. Yeah, that was when I was like, kind of in the seat this, on the group DM guy going, "Oh fuck, you know, yeah, go fucking go! All right, here we go." This yeah, is me it. and my me and my DC. So DC, I'm I'm, I'm unaffiliated. Uh, with a, with a caucus so like me and the other DC unaffiliated sat together and we were just like pumping our fists to yeah. Olivia doing that well that's the thing we had 29 and with the exception of like one member a couple of me- well one member forgot her phone another member um, just kind of fell through the cracks and didn't actually get added to the uh, to the group DM until <laughs> I think until after it let out he's like okay I'm on this thing now well, let's get started <laughs> oh, no. what do you got to do but uh, no we all you know we did we did, we did like one that was effectively like dele- delegation wide, mm-hmm. which I think it's one of the things getting to everybody. It's something where like every single delegation needs to do because you can st- you know it co- makes you can uh, everybody can still chatter, but it, it keeps uh it keeps the the roar down. Yeah, right. That that that's a good point. There's also the difference. There were a lot of physical differences between the 2017 and 2019 convention, mm-hmm. me- meaning like the setup of the room was different. So in 2017, each delegation had their own round table. So if someone didn't like, you could you could caucus with your delegation. Whereas this past convention was stadium seating like in rows, right? Which made for a lot of difficulty getting to mics. Yep. Uh, it was bad for delegation. Like delegations weren't sitting together. Um, you had to like stake out territory in oh, order yeah. to do that. Like, so yeah, there were some things that I think physically we can improve upon. Um, and that would make things flow a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, we had a, we had like a, an email and, uh, signal chat. Right. Yeah. I think which was, was like, which was helpful. At one point, I think signal was getting hit so hard <laughs> that like, um, it started like the, it started send, uh, texts were now be, were starting to be sent like out of order. You had this weird, like, non-linear oh, God. Star Trek time fuckery of yeah. messages. So, <laughs> um, yeah, there's I I I, I very much feel uh, like I'm sympathetic to ha- people who are upset over, especially the dues proposals that were all just deferred, yeah, uh, or referred to the NPC or whatever. Because um, I know for smaller chapters, like I've talked to people, like we're very close with our uh, comrades in all of the Virginia chapters, and mm-hmm. it's like they're fucking struggling. Yeah, like, and especially because, like, I mean, the minimum wage in Virginia sucks. Like, wages are really depressed. People can't really give that much yeah. to their own chapter, uh, and and in order to do work, especially in, a, I mean, Virginia is so fucked in so many ways. But uh, like, a lot but, of the anti-fascist work that they do, that it needs a lot of structural and monetary support yeah but but north but, but north virginia northern virginia you know nova is so pretty this time of year isn't oh it my yeah. god it, okay no it's a hellhole <laughs> it is 90 degrees and 90 percent humidity it i'm so glad portland is gorgeous somebody was complaining about how it was humid yesterday and i was like you have no idea yeah i uh, i visited family in michigan uh, uh two weeks before the convention and i think the day i was there was like it uh it was the hottest day of the summer he did x over 100 and like 90 percent humidity and i'm like yeah i uh i'm kind of glad i left michigan yeah. you know um uh convention stuff convention stuff 
I guess, what were your, um, give any other, any particular, hi- any other highlights that really stuck out to you? Or Yeah, def- definitely the biggest highlight uh, for me was getting to talk with, talk and ask questions to uh, the, the left caucuses that are, mm-hmm. um, they're localized at the moment. And I think they, I don't know what their plans for the future are, but I believe that they're going to stay localized. But Red Caucus in Portland, Red Star. Say, there, there are there are multiple uh, representatives in the, in in yeah. the bar we are sitting out in front of. Should you like to talk to any of them? Yeah, yeah I actually had a couple of drinks with them when I got in, and awesome, it was great. Yeah, so Red Caucus in Portland, Red Star Caucus in San Francisco, and Emerge in New York. Um, it's been very very helpful to talk to them about the way that they have not only organized the caucus internally, but the work that they do, the organizing that they do. Mm-hmm. You know. As it relates to DSA, it's it was very heartening. I'm very excited to like go back to DC and talk to with, talk with people um, that aren't are unaffiliated um, and looking for something that is similar to those strains of um, caucus. Right. Um, yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, were you able to Were you able to actually go home between convention and here? Or, or did you did you have did, oh. were, were you just like bouncing around for work stuff? That's a wonderful question. Uh, before convention, I had to so I had to move out of my place at the end of July. Jesus. So before before convention, I went to Chicago and then to Atlanta for work. So I had to move out of my place at uh, on July twenty second. I stay in Atlanta for the convention, mm. and I get back on the fourth. I move my shit that I put into a storage unit from the storage unit into my new place and i had two days to do that and then i got a got a flight to here so i'm tired i'm still very tired (laughs) lots of yeah lots of lots of recuperation in there yeah 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 um depending on how negative you want to get what what do you think could have been done what do you think with how everything did this happen what do you think they could i just want to say and what could be like corporate talk and what could be (laughs) improved for next time (laughs) well what could be improved um it's so um well, I, I, I don't, I, to preface it, I think that caucuses are, the caucuses in 2017, the situation was like shitty. It was really dire. People mm. were really, really rude and mean. And I'm not saying that people weren't rude and mean in a caucus sense this time, but it did improve, which is like, it's sad to say, because people were still being really mean. Yeah. Um, I think that what could be improved is that like we have set, I think that delegations need to sit together, ge- like geographic delegations need to sit together, right. not caucuses, because having caucuses de- like on the floor, uh, it together, it creates a a really rowdy atmosphere and it makes it really noisy. And yeah. I like, I have a, I have bad hearing, and when it gets noisy, I can't like, I'm a I'm a pro ASL clapping because right. I'm not going to be able to hear the the parliamentarian if if there's all this noise. Yeah, um, one, of my, one of my criticisms were just the uh, the AV aspects because there's the only time I was ever going to step up to the mic was just to ask them to turn off the goddamn lights because they had lights projecting directly onto the projection screen. Yeah, and, I, and which they, to their credit, they fixed by the third day. But um, yeah. yeah, there should be. I think that it would be really helpful if people had like um, they, if people like wrote out their critiques and mm-hmm. if we like started to compile them. And yeah. n- not even as like a report to national, but just as like a document that we like set a reminder to bring back up six months prior to the next convention yeah. so that we have these recommendations for the convention planning committee. Yeah. Cause like we're going to, yeah, <laughs> we're, 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 we're about to be, yeah, no matter we're in, we're in line for, yeah, who knows what we're going to forget in the next two years of whatever shit 
we're going to be stuck through. It so. is, yeah, right. I've already, God, do you remember that tiny pizza guy, the tiny angry pizza guy? That was two weeks ago. I'm, time is moving so quickly. All the Epstein shit is, is just taking up my brain. All, like 90% of my brain right now is just thinking about the elite pedophilia ring right all around us um, which there are mar- multiple yeah so yeah i think i mean back to suggestion stuff. yeah suggestions for convention i think that there should be set time set caucus time so that caucuses can like so that they have time to like work together but also so that unaffiliated people can get to know yeah who the caucuses are because yeah. i think that there's a lot of um there are just like Lots of stories about what caucuses are and what they do, and I think that if you have one-on-ones with people, right, you you get a different picture. Yeah, and that's that's part of it. Is it's almost like the uh, if you're not in those conversations or you're not you're not watching like particular like messaging on like on atomized social media is kind of like you have no idea who, like yeah. who these people are. Yeah, I th- I think so. Like I've had beef in the past, and I've been I mean like for many reasons I've been a bitch online. But like it, I had, it's easy to do. It's so easy. Um, but I've had beef in the past with bread and roses, and like you know, over convention and the past couple of, I mean, in the weeks prior to convention, like I've had one on ones with people in bread and roses, and you know, I realized like I was clearly projecting a certain image onto the entire caucus um, right. when that's not really the case. And you know, I liked their labor proposal, um, so. Yeah, I, I I think that it would do people well to uh, humanize the different caucuses, even yeah. even if caucuses are advocating for shit that you are, are advocating are advocating against shit right. that you're advocating for. Mm-hmm. Like it is very easy to demonize people and caucuses, but in the end, like we need we need to be unified externally, right, on the outside. Um, and that's why it's like. I'm really glad that the right wing media and and the centrist media, right. mainstream media, is uh, like attacking us for you know what how the convention went because it it does it unifies us right yeah, across it, all caucuses yeah, and like, tendencies. It's the fun thing is like yeah, fuck you, you weren't fucking there. Yeah. Also, uh, it's funny with the things that you're focusing on, not the certain which is it. That's the thing of like. Um, well, it's like two things. One, the stuff that they were focusing on that they seem to be ignoring a lot, th- a lot of other things that may- that might be of much more critical import, especially in the next two years. The other kicker was I had the sense sitting on the sitting on the floor of like because I think part of it is because uh, I'm so hyper mediated and think like in re- I read way too much history and get, I get really in hyper intellectualize everything. But it's almost a sense of like this postmodern sense of like okay, what like random thing? What you know? What vote did we take? Where's where? Um, what vote did we take? Branched the timeline because there's something like you know what was going to be the um, like probably the most significant vote that we that DSA ever did in its revived existence was four years ago and like okay yeah there's this Bernie guy we should probably like support him yeah that's 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 a ta- that's a timeline branch like yeah. what kind of you know what is going to be the most significant thing that we decided on. Looking back, you know, two years, five years, ten years, twenty, you know, whatever shit we're about to go through, right? And look back and like just—it was just a um, a thought that I had at the time. Yeah, like, absolutely. You, and, uh, would you like to speculate <laughs> or have any idea what about about what do you think? What do you think? What this do you past think? Convention? Yeah. What what could have what uh what could possibly be the mo- uh the big like turning points? Um, I mean, my big my two big things are labor and housing. Um, I work for a union and right. I do. Do I'm very involved in Stomp Out Slumlords. I helped get it started in, in DC. 
Um, Good work. Thank mm. you. I um, one, I'm heartened by but the labor proposals. You know, the three big labor proposals all passed. Right, the, which we, means that the MPC is going to have to like work on all three of them as a package. And I think that they all like the rank and file strategy is just as important as organizing the unorganized, you know? Right. And we need to be as an organization as, as everywhere as we can be mm -hmm. in labor. And that is, um, I was really heartened by that. And then, but the thing that like was ab absolutely the, the best thing about the convention for me was that housing organizers across the country, the authors of the three housing tenants, you know, uh, you know the yeah. the rezos yeah the rezos yeah they worked with each other to develop like an omnibus package like saying like oh we like you know we like these things of all three proposals like we should talk to the npc about this part um mm -hmm. and then at the at the very last minute of the convention uh peter gowan comrade from metro dc he asked for five more minutes of time it was like near unanimous vote and to pass this package right. of all three. Oh, yeah. And it was like it just like it was this moment of consensus. Um, and getting back to suggestions about the next convention, I think that people resolution writers, we should bucket them and then actually force them to talk with people that are that have written competing resolutions right. because there are there is that struggle session kind of atmosphere is really, really important, um, right. especially because you can't. We have such limited time on the yeah. floor to, to debate and vote. Like we need to figure out what we, what the actual substance, like substantial differences are rather right. than face, facial differences. Also, one last suggestion for the go, next convention. Go for it. So the fundraiser. Ah. There was no open bar. What are you doing? You yeah. need an open bar. That's, um, yeah, we have people, you know, even on our, even, uh, not just in our chapter, in our delegation, we're like, um, yeah, we've worked fundraisers before. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. No, I, th I mean, in the, the 2017 convention had an open bar. Man, you give me, you give me a free beer and I'll open my wallet. I, yeah. Um, and it was also like the, the, it was during dinner time, but they didn't offer dinner and then yeah. we had to come back and vote later. Yeah. That it was a poorly, poorly, uh, scheduled. Yeah. Um, I guess wrapping up, is there anything, is there anything, uh, you're working on in your own chapter that you're really, uh, really proud about and want to kind of give a, uh, signal boost to? Or want others to, uh, want others to check out? Oh, well, so, I mean, DC just launched, launched its, uh, tenants union. So we have a DC tenants union. Awesome. Um, we're also working on, uh, rent control. I'm sorry. I'm just like pounding the, no, no, the, go for it. the no, housing stuff. We've, we've but... had, we did an, <laughs> We did an entire episode about tenants unions. Oh, great! Yeah, we awesome. had a couple. Uh, we had like uh, local uh, members of like Portland Tenants United on, and yeah. do everything from like recently, recently, uh, recently. Um, I don't know. Recently agitated members who joined who joined up like their their ten the tenants org yeah. to even like one of the mem one of the organizers who just started busting out like you know theory of why we do this. So. Yeah, and I think the the other thing. Um, I mean, it's it's August 11th right now, so I don't know when you're uh, going to be releasing this, but we are relaunching our Migrant Justice campaign this coming Thursday, and I'm so excited because it, right. the shit that's happening with ICE right now is unconscionable, and we need to be out there. So it will... Going forward, because I I know I won't be able to to get this out in by Thursday. Yeah, is there a place that folks can uh, interested um, either nationally or locally? Uh, 
hopefully, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, DC folks will hear this one, you know, can kind of, uh, like find out and find out more. So the migrant justice stuff is a little bit under wraps. If you want to, if you want to like follow along with the actions that we do, you can, uh, follow at MDC underscore DSA on Twitter. Okay. Um, but with, with our migrant justice stuff, we have a very high security culture with that just because of the nature of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, you'll see, you'll see, you'll hear us, you'll see what we're going to do. Um, so yeah. <laughs> oh, so many, uh, so many people's, pr- uh, fancy restaurant dinners are about to get fucked with. Oh my God. Anyway. That bitch. Anyway. All right. Well, um, so the, uh, the, uh, so the chapter tag is, uh, what, MDC underscore DSA. Mm-hmm. Um, if folks want to get in touch with you, which, uh, you know, it, <laughs> If you want them to, it's like, should you, uh, I guess, what, oh, yeah, no what's, what's, what's your, what's your, what, what, what contact info? How, how can folks get in touch you with you? You can get in touch with me on Twitter. I, I prefer Twitter to email because I use email for, uh, work stuff and Life. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but my Twitter is at mags underscore McLock, MC laugh. Um, and DMs are open. I would love to talk to you if you have any questions. Excellent. Thank you very much. And thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Battery didn't die. Everything turned on. All right. Here we go. You say hello. Can you enter? Uh, hi, we're uh, back again talking to folks uh, after our meeting, uh, giving um, post convention thoughts, if you could call them that. Uh, special guest, could you, uh, could you um, introduce yourself to our viewing audience? Hi, my name is Laura Wadlin, she, her, and I was a delegate for the Portland DSA chapter. Excellent. Um, and this is a, you know, you can make this as informal as you want. It's kind of thing people usually ask, can I curse on this? And we're like, yes, we require it. Um, <laughs> um, looking back now, what is your, uh, you know, it's because it's been, we, uh, or it's been almost effectively a week. What is your just initial or overriding emotional th- uh, feeling about uh, the weekend in Atlanta? It was much more exhausting um physically and emotionally than i anticipated um just because it was just packed you know morning to night yep. um with you know debate and trying to know like okay what are we talking about here what are we voting on you know remembering every detail of these proposals and then you know everything going on and meeting new people all the time and yeah like i i would say only maybe yesterday did I actually feel recovered. <laughs> so yeah, I deliberately you know spent the week. You no, know, it's like no meetings, with the exception of like going to like a going to a thir- uh, a thing Thursday night at Clinton Street Theater, which might have been a mistake. Uh, probably should have just stayed in. It was like yeah, I need a I need a week to heal. Yeah, I I worked uh, the day after I got back. Same. And that it was, was not fun. For me, it was. I think it was because I was still kind of numb. I guess it was. It helped because it was um, like just the the uh, the quotidian bullshit of the day job was in, um, helped to f- start flushing things out. Because it's one of those things we're sitting on the flight home. I'm like, oh shit, this is why uh, Burning Man types do decompression parties, isn't it? Like, oh great. It was one of the things we're like, yeah, I still think of the, is a ch- we need to have like yeah. something like that because of, there's a lot of there's a lot of shit that I still need to get out and just. 
Yeah, I felt like I needed to process it, you know, yep. because it was so much happening in quick succession, like these big decisions, just like, okay, and that passes, moving on to the next one. You know, it's like hardly even time to, you know, like sit there and think about what that means. And so, you know, what helped me was, you know, talking to other DSA members right afterwards and, exp- you know, telling them the highlights, highlights and, uh, you know, explaining things that were important to them um, and just like kind of recounting it to my friends and family and comrades like that helped me um i don't know just feel a little more distance from it which i needed yeah i I can see how that um that would definitely help um well what were what were your personal highlights of the weekend my favorite part was talking to people from other chapters i think people from different regions um, and different, you know, circumstances, be it it's a smaller chapter or a bigger chapter or, you know, it's in the panhandle of Florida or whatever, right? Like, those are such different experiences, you know, like talking to some uh, comrades from Miami, you know, about how the, the, um, the circumstances there are that when you talk about socialism, everyone just talks about Venezuela immediately. And that's mm. a big barrier to their organizing is that, you know, everyone just thinks, okay, socialism, Venezuela, bad. And that's a big issue for them. Whereas here, I wouldn't say, you know, in Portland, that's a big issue. But then here, you know, the white supremacist, fascist presence is a big deal. Whereas, right. like, that's not a big deal in Miami. So just, like, comparing experiences across the country was was really eye-opening. Yeah, I definitely can see that. It was kind of, yeah, when all of these virtual beings became flesh and blood people you could actually talk to and uh, sit next to, like, in, whereas before you'd only encounter them as, like, Twitter mentions or yes. that, you know, a little picture and your suggested friends for two years. And yeah. like, now they're just kind of wandering around. And the other thing is that, you know, I think sometimes when, you know, you're involved in a chapter, I realize, like, there are certain things that people you know, in a particular group's culture, take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you share experiences with people from a different chapter, you, you, you know, gain the, like the wisdom of their experiences and like, Oh, they do things a little bit differently. Right. And that could be good or bad. And, um, I, you know, it was nice to feel validated in some of my, um, experiences. Like when people had had, eerily similar experiences with DSA as me even though they live across the country yeah. or had had similar complaints that I had or things like that you know that was that was really cool definitely um <laughs> what what do you think uh, we'll use uh, corporate terminology what do you think could have stood for having some improvement in uh, how they did things <sighs> that's tough I I could say what I what results I would have wanted like obviously getting con- to consider more agenda items I think very few people were happy with how few we considered right. however I am not satisfied with any particular suggestion I've heard in terms of how concretely that could have happened because I feel like in some way it was just sort of an impossible task of like so many people had so many great ideas that we should consider and debate and yet you know, just materially, we are limited to, you know, a few days and 
you know, it just, it, it seemed um, impossible to get through everything. And, you know, I hear people talking about like, oh, it was too much focus on procedure. I just personally disagree with that. I think that that's misguided. I think that, in fact, most of what happened during debate was substantive. And um, I, I don't think it should be dismissed as, like, too obsessed with, you know, Robert's rules or something. Um and I also, I don't know how we could have better prioritized it. You know, they had polls ahead of time um, saying, well, you know, what should we talk about? And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, would, I would like to hear from the convention organizers and, and hear what they have to say about that. Because, yeah, I mean, there are just so many things everyone wants to talk about, everyone wants to do, and we just have limited time. And democracy takes time, you know? Yeah. Do you um, I'm trying to think of what else? Uh, I guess what else? Um, hmm. What else comes to mind when you think about the kind of like I guess like how the uh, like how people were were um, communicating around there or interacting with each other or like actually get like I said a, a thousand and one disparate well a thousand and fifty seven disparate different uh, different ways of doing this shoved into one room for multiple hours a day. I was actually surprised how well it went. You know, I think um, in the beginning, I was honestly kind of worried, especially because I know there are, there are, of course, lots of people who are, um, you know, have their complaints with the national organization and, you know, I, I, which is totally understandable and valid. And I guess I was just like, oh, my God, is this going to be a total shit show? Is this is this just going to be, you know, like if you've ever gone to other conventions, like right. I've been involved in in political party conventions and stuff like that and that just i mean that goes so awry so quickly and it's just fighting and wasting time and honestly i would have sort of understood on an emotional level if that had happened but i was worried that that was going to take a lot of our time and really it didn't like we got through things really well it was handled i think uh, parliament, like in a parliamentary sense it was handled very efficiently for the most part um i think because we had really pretty good chairs um, um, especially Beth um, so yeah I mean I, I was actually pretty impressed with how well people respected each other um, and how attentive people were to doing things efficiently even though of course at times it, it seemed that there were lots of distractions but I, I was actually really impressed oh good um, are you glad you went oh my god I'm so glad I went it was more taxing than I experienced than, than I expected but yep. yes I am so glad I went I feel honestly so grateful to have, to have had that experience it was I, I really enjoyed it even you know even the lows right even the even the bad parts even the tough parts I still feel like it was just so enriching I loved it excellent um well, the, I mean, well, your local business. Is there anything bringing things back to like a local thing? Is there uh, is there anything you are working on locally that you want more folks to find out about? Hmm. Well, one thing you know, Portland is doing a lot of is the Amazon campaign, mm -hmm. and um, uh, that was uh, unfortunately we didn't get to consider that. That wasn't on the agenda for the national convention. It, it was a resolution to support. Um, you know, Amazon solidarity. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, one of our organizers, Jamie, of course, was a champion in, um, you know, spreading the word about that. Literally and like a thousand pounds. Yes. A yeah. A oh, thousand my God. little like flyers. Oh, yeah. He and was there every, you know, uh, 
every you know block of of debate time. He's there right and uh, after the doors, handing out those pamphlets to everybody. It was great, and I'm so glad we made so many contacts. And yeah, I, I feel like um, this campaign is is really uh, unique and special, and captures kind of the, the Portland spirit of organizing mm-hmm. more than other campaigns do. Um, so I so even though we didn't get, get to consider it on the floor, I really hope that people um, pay attention to that. Awesome. Graduate. Um, I guess if... Um, well, what the heck? If, you, if uh, I can't, re- can't really think of much else because it's mainly just collecting thoughts. Um, if if folks out there listening have any want to get in touch with you or want, or want to find out more about the uh, some of the Amazon work that's been done, do you uh, do you have any like contact points you can give them? Yes, um, you can email Portland DSA Labor at gmail dot com. Um, I'm the co chair of the labor working group, and I would be more than happy to get you in touch with our organizers and. And if you are an Amazon employee, especially, or you're thinking about getting a job at Amazon, or you were an employee in Amazon, or you need a job and, you know, yeah, it could be for you, right? Um, please get in touch. We would love to talk about that. If you're at uh, um, the Northwest uh, Warehouse, the Hillsborough Warehouse, or the Troutdale Warehouse, especially. Excellent. Uh, any final words? Um Thank you, Portland Chapter, for electing me as a delegate. It was great. Excellent. You too. All right, and that's it. Thanks. Yep. be continued on the next episode of giving the mic to the wrong person.